It's Monday, January 29th, 2018. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, this is our weekly Monday Bible study and call to prayer, and today we are continuing our study on the gospel according to Luke as we walk through Luke chapter 8, verses 23-25. And, and this is a story that many of us probably are very familiar with, one that especially if we grew up in the church, we potentially heard many, many times as Jesus calms the storm, the, the disciples are are on the lake and the storm rises up and Jesus is sleeping and he calms the storm. And this is what, starting in verse 22, that Luke's gospel says, chapter eight. One day, he being Jesus, got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out and as they sailed, he fell asleep and a windstorm came down on the lake and they were all filling with water and were in danger. And they went and they woke him saying, master, master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves and they ceased and there was calm. And he said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid and they marveled saying to one another, who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water and they obey him? Well, there are two things today that I want us to see that Fear causes. Fear causes in us. And we see these from this passage. First, verse 25, right? Jesus, the first thing he says when he awakes, he doesn't, he he says to his disciples after calming the wind and calming the waters, he says, where is your faith? The first thing we need to know that fear causes is fear makes us lose sight of our faith. The disciples forgot who they were with and who was in the back of the boat. Where is your faith? When Jesus first said it, James felt it its intended rebuke. Didn't he trust God? Wasn't the father with Jesus? He had thought he had believed this. But the storm proved that all the confidence he felt when the pressure was off was fair-weathered faith. Right? When the pressure was off, he just had fair-weathered faith. His faith was good when the weather was fair, but when the weather was horrible, where was his faith? And, and that begs the question to us, do we trust God even when things seem to be out of control or is our faith only an inch deep so that we only trust God, we only trust Christ when things are calm? James felt chastened and he felt humbled and so should we. You know, the more James probably thought about the question, the more profound he realized it became. Where's your faith? What did you trust during the storm? James was trusting in what his eyes saw. He trusted what his skin felt. He trusted the violent force that was tossing the boat like a toy and could have rolled them over any minute. He trusted the stories that probably had been passed down of of sea uh, adventures by his father and the men lost at sea. He trusted the tragedies that he remembered in his own life. He trusted the power of the storm because he knew that storms killed people. Up until a few minutes before Jesus calmed the storm, James was just trusting in his instincts. He was just trusting in what he knew. Oh, but the the question is, do we really believe that Jesus changes everything? And does it place our faith not in what we see, but does it place our faith in him? Jesus does change everything. Oh, Psalm chapter 135, verses five through seven, it says this, for I know that the Lord Yahweh is great and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord Yahweh pleases, he does in heaven and on earth, in the seas and all deeps. He it 
is who makes the clouds rise at the end of the earth, who makes lightnings for the rain and brings forth the wind from its storehouses. Beloved, we have a God that is completely sovereign and abundantly loving. He is in control of all things and desperately loves his people, wanting to care for them, protect them, and guide them. So let us remember that that we have a dangerous calling. Life is precious and life is fragile, but risking it all for the mission of Christ is glorious and exhilarating. When the storm was raging and Jesus was sleeping, which looked more powerful? This is an important picture to remember because the storms of life hit. When they hit, they almost always appear stronger to us than God's word. And the important question to ask yourself at that moment is, where is my faith? Then ask the Lord to bolster and strengthen your faith. And so before we go to the second thing that fear causes, let us look at 10 takeaways on why strong faith is important. Number one, faith is fundamental for salvation. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of work, so that no man may boast. Oh, uh, we need to remember that faith is fun, fun, fundamental for salvation. But number two, failing to trust Christ leads us to the to point in ourselves and is detrimental to gospel proclamation. Colossians 1, 15 through 20. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creations. For by him and through him, all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him, all things hold together. Verse 20, and through him reconciles, he reconciles all things to himself, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of Christ. If we fail to trust Christ, it leads us to point to ourselves. And that is detrimental to gospel proclamation. But third, faith leads us to action. James chapter two, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works? Can that faith save him? Faith ultimately leads us to action. It leads us to getting engaged. But number four, faith is tested and proven by trials and adversity. Right. James again, chapter one, verses two through three. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Oh, oh, when faith is tested and it's proven by trials and adversity, it makes it stronger. It merits our faith out. Number five, faith is the opposite of fear, right? We cannot have fear when we have faith. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, Psalm 46, 1-3. And in 1 John four eighteen, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Oh, so faith, uh, faith is the opposite of fear. But number six, faith is trusting God even through danger and risk. It's trusting God through danger and risk. Oh, I love what Paul says to the Romans in in chapter eight, verses 35 to 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate 
separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Oh, faith is trusting God even through danger and risk. But number seven, faith trusts God to do the impossible. Faith trusts in our God to know that he can do things that we can't see. He can do things that we cannot imagine. Second Corinthians chapter five, verses five through seven. He who has prepared for us this very thing is God who has given us the spirit as a guarantee. So we are also of good courage. We're always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord for we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith knowing that our God can do the impossible. He can heal even when it doesn't seem possible. He can bring a great restoration even when restoration seems far away and he can save the most hardened of sinners like you and me. But number eight, faith gives us a firm foundation. Faith, as Proverbs 18.10 says, is the strong tower that we run into and we are safe. Faith gives us a firm foundation. It is the, the bedrock by which we build our lives. Faith state in the word of God and in the person of Christ. And then number nine, faith gives us abiding trust in the presence, the purpose, the power, and the character of God. Faith gives us abiding trust in the presence, the purpose, the power, and the character of God. John 14, 27, peace, Jesus says, I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Oh, in the Deuteronomy 31, 6, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord Yahweh your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Oh, faith gives us an abiding, abiding trust in the presence, the purpose, the power, and the character of God. And then last but not least, number 10, faith affirms our calling and our mission. Faith affirms what we've been called to and what our mission is. Matthew 28, 17 through 20. And when they saw him, they worshiped him being the disciples, but some still doubted. And so Jesus came to them. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Oh, have faith. Don't doubt the authority. The keys of heaven have been given to me. Verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Oh, even in our calling, even in our mission, even to what God has called us to do, know that he will be with us even to the end of the age. And beloved, this leads us to the second thing that fear makes us forget, right? Faith affirms our calling and our mission and fear, right? Fear causes us to forget our calling and lose sight of our mission, right? James says perishing, right? When in this passage, he says, Jesus Master, master, verse 24, we are perishing. Perishing means to die or to be destroyed through violence, to pass away or disappear, to suffer spiritual death. In other words, James literally thought the game was over. He believed this was the end. He wasn't thinking about what the Lord had called him and the other disciples to, nor was he compelled by the mission. He had forgotten the call of Jesus on their lives. And several weeks ago, we actually studied the passage out of Luke 5. And, and I want to bring us back to that passage, Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, for us to remember the calling of these same disciples. These disciples that were filled with fear and not knowing what to do and thinking that they were perishing to, be, to die or to be destroyed were the same disciples that Jesus had called in Luke chapter 5. Listen to the calling again. Verse 1, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him being Jesus to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gisinaret and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out your 
net into the deep and let down for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we told all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when he had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and they filled both boats so that they began to seek, sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. Do not fear. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything, their vocation, their stuff, their things, and they followed him. Oh, beloved, when things are hard, many times we lose sight of our calling and our mission in which the Lord has given us. He will equip us through the hard times, the difficult times, and the impossible times if we will just keep moving and not lose sight of his calling and his mission. Look at the parallel in what we just read in Luke 5 and what our passage is today in Luke 8, right? Oh, the the, the call was, was great and, and the parallels are stunning. Their vocation as fishermen was lost. It looked bleak. They had fished all night and found no fish. And they were called to a new vocation, to spread the knowledge and the fragrance of the kingdom. But when they run into grave trouble, they forgot that the same God who had them let out their nets where there were no fish and brought so many fish their boats were sinking was the God that was in the back of the boat to calm the storm. They forgot that he had called them to a grand mission. They lost sight of the mission because of the storm. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it. And how at the childhood you have been acquainted with sacred writings, which are able to make wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And then Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 through 21. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Oh, I love what John Piper says in a great but small volume called Risk is Right. He says on the far side of every risk, even if the result is in death, the love of God triumphs. There is the faith that frees us to risk for the cause of Christ. It is not heroism, our lust for adventure, our courageous self-reliance, our efforts to earn God's favor. It is childlike faith in the triumph of God's love. That on the other side of all our risk, for the sake of righteousness, God will still be holding us. We will be eternally satisfied in him. Nothing will have been wasted. Oh, beloved, at Lifeline, God has given us a mission to manifest the gospel to vulnerable children. He has called each and every one of us through a unique calling and gifting. Oh, things will be hard. Things will be perilous. Things will be difficult because darkness wants to destroy the light. And we are being called to shine the light into the darkness. But we have a great God that is always in the boat with us, ready to enable us with his power and presence through the storms.
And so this week we are praying again for the country of China. And so I want to give you these prayer requests and lead us in prayer as we close out this time of Bible study and prayer. First, will you pray for our partners on the ground that the Lord will give them wisdom and direction in ever-changing environment? Will you pray specifically for Peggy and Emily as they continue to seek the Lord and launching an education center focused on family preservation there in South China? Uh, will you pray for the Lifeline team as we seek the Lord and how He desires for Lifeline to be involved in caring for the least of these in China? Will you pray for the children that are waiting for their protection and care as they wait to be matched, for protection and provision for children that, that may not be adopted or even know the love of a family, for waiting children in China to be exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Will you pray for waiting families that the Lord would continue to open families' hearts to older children with more significant needs? And will you pray for our in-country team, Lily, and Aaron and Helen and David and Michael and, and the rest of our guides, that they would come to know the Lord and that Rebecca and Nancy would be encouraged in their faith and continue to grow in their faith in the Lord. Pray for our team in the States, for stamina for our China team during just these, these transitional periods. Pray for our team's personal lives, for babies that are on the way, adoptions that are in the process, and marriages that are forthcoming. And pray praise the Lord for the evidence of discipleship in so many of our China families' lives. And praise the Lord for potential opportunities to to travel to China and praise the Lord for new files and families being matched after a year of waiting. Oh God, we pray for the country of China. Lord, we love this country. We, uh, we love to work in this country and see your work in this country. Would you give us opportunities? Would you open up doors? Would you soften the hearts of the government? And Lord, even as meetings are happening in the United States and over in China about the, the future of work in China, would you give grace? Would you work in those meetings? Would you work in spite of those meetings? And Lord, would you allow Christ followers to adopt from China? And would you allow Christ followers to get engaged on behalf of the orphan widow in the country of China? Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we know that you love China more than us. And Lord, we entrust this country to you. Well, thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel for you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.